In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. As we just prayed, these meditations are times of prayer, times when we enter into the presence of God, God who loves us so much, who cares for us, in order to talk to Him and to listen to Him, to be with Him. And in these times of special challenges, times when the world and the country is under this strain of the pandemic of the coronavirus, and it affects all of us who are here praying or who are listening to this meditation, We turn to our Lord. We turn to our Lord with confidence. We turn to our Lord with hope. We turn to our Lord in prayer. And we tell Him. We tell Him what's on our mind. We tell Him the anxieties that we're going through. We tell Him our worries. We tell Him what we're thinking. We tell Him our challenges. And we ask Him for help. Lord Jesus, help me. It's a simple prayer we can always pray. Lord Jesus, help me. And then we listen to him. We don't just talk to our Lord, but we also listen to him. In the Gospel of Matthew, we hear those words of our Lord that we've heard so many times, but which can take on a special meaning, a special resonance, a special comfort, a special aid for us now. Our Lord says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, each one of us, each one of us in his or her own way, can come to our Lord and tell him, Lord, this is my burden. This is how I feel burdened by this new situation. This is how I feel heavy laden and weary. And you, Lord Jesus, need to be my strength. I need to rely on your sufficiency. I need to rely on your help. Help me to do this, Lord. And then we do this with a great confidence in God. The saints and the gospel teach us that that God is good and that God wants good things for his children. The Lord is kind and merciful. We read so many times in the Psalms. The Lord is is kind and merciful, abandoning, abounding in steadfast love. And so we're convinced that even though these times are difficult, that they're hard for us to go through, to live through, we're convinced that God is up to some good. Up to some good, especially for those of us who are His children, for those of us who have been baptized, for those of us who are followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. St. Paul puts it this way, Diligentibus Deum omnia cooperantur in bonum. Omnia cooperantur in bonum. All things work unto the good for those who love God. All things work unto the good for those who love God. 
That's from St. Paul to the Romans. So no matter what happens, no matter how bad things seem, no matter what trials God can have us go through, no matter what sufferings he allows in this, in this life, all of them work unto the good. All of them will come out with some good result for us, some good issue, because God is our Father, because God loves us. St. Augustine, commenting on this passage from St. Paul, adds, Etiam peccata, omnia cooperator bonum etiam peccata, which means even our sins, and even our, our sinfulness, even our rejection of God. God takes, it turns around, it turns into goodness. And this is the lesson of the cross. This is one of the great lessons of our Lord on the cross, that he takes sin, he takes people's offenses against him in the very moment of their offending him, they're killing him. And what does he do? He turns it into redemption. He turns it into forgiveness. He turns it into something good for them and for all of us. And so it's true. When we look at Jesus on the cross, we realize it's true. All things work unto the good. Even death, even sin, even rejection of God. For those who continue to love God, for those who turn back to God, for those who are his children. And so Jesus, give us sight. Give us faith. We ask you, Lord, in this time of prayer, give us supernatural vision to see what good you're bringing about in this crisis of our world, this crisis of our country. Help me to see personally in the circumstances that affect me, those circumstances that I perhaps don't like, that I reject, that are annoying or troublesome or or wearying. What good, Lord, are you providing for me? How are you, how are you asking me and leading me to get something good out of this. In another passage, St. Paul talks about the precisely the, um, the good that trials bring about. The good that God brings about precisely through our having to suffer and, have, and having to endure endure suffering. And not only this, St. Paul writes, and not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts with the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so for St. Paul, there's this chain here, right? This chain of, of good things that come, um, starting with tribulation. We, we rejoice in our tribulations. Why? Because tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance brings about character and character brings about hope. And then the, the, the great culmination of this series is God's own love in our heart. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts with the Holy Spirit, right? the presence of God himself in our hearts. The love of God has been poured into our hearts with the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so, Lord, with the eyes of our faith, help us to see that this is what you're up to. This is what you're about. This is why... You've let me and the church 
be affected by any trial, any struggle, any time of crisis. This is why you let the world be affected by troubles, by times of crisis. Why? So that we can hope in you. So that we can see and persevere in our tribulations. So that we can grow. We can be more like our Lord. We can grow in patience. We can grow in trust in God. We can grow in love. And so, Lord, help us to see that that goodness that's right there. Right? The goodness that's right there in this tribulation, in this trial that I'm going through. It's not just that, well, when this is over, God's going to give me a prize. Right? When this is all over, I'll see what good came out of it. There's good in it, which is the good of turning it all into an act of faith, turning it all into acts of trust, turning it all into love for God and for our neighbor. And one of the things we can do during this time especially those of us who have more time um, in this time of social distancing, this time of caution, some would say uh, quarantine, right? in addition to binge-watching our favorite uh, shows, which is uh, not bad, but we have to be careful not to waste time and not to fall into temptation while doing so. I, saw in the, I heard on the radio the other day a new phrase. It's called quarantine streaming, right? A, a combination of streaming and quarantine, quarantine streaming. So we, we find good things to entertain ourselves with, but make sure that they don't offend God and that we don't waste too much time. But what could we do with some of this time? Well, we should develop our prayer life as we're doing now, spending time trying to dialogue with our Lord, spending time trying to see these things from the perspective of our faith. And this means spending time in prayer, spending time in mental prayer especially. Mental prayer is this personal dialogue we have with our Lord Jesus Christ. And a dialogue is, of course, a conversation. We speak and we also listen. We give and we also receive. And listening, perhaps, is more challenging for us than talking. Silence makes us nervous. We're not used to it. We're uncomfortable with ourselves. We're uncomfortable with listening to God in silence. And so in this meditation, we can practice this. Not just to talk, not just to tell God what we think, not just to cogitate on things in His presence, but to listen to Him. We've already done this. We tried to listen to some of His words. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We can do this again in, in our prayer, in this meditation, to listen to some of our Lord's most powerful words. Our Lord says in the Gospel of John, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Remain in my love. And in these days when we have to remain, perhaps isolated in our houses, when we have to remain out of our, outside of our work and our normal social circumstances, even outside of our churches. We can still remain in His love. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Remain in my love. Tremendous statement from our Lord. He loves each one of us. He loves you as much as God the Father loves Him. 
This means that our Lord Jesus Christ has taken what's most precious to him. He's taken his treasure. He's taken his Father's love. And he's given it to us. This really means that he's taken himself and given himself to us. The Father's love constitutes him as the Son of God. The Son receives everything from the Father. So to give us his Father's love is to give himself to us. It's to love us with all the love that there is. And these are nice words, but we can ask ourselves in our prayer, what do they really mean? What kind of love is this? Where is this love revealed to us? Where do we see the special quality of our Lord's love for us? As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And I think our faith teaches us, the Church teaches us, and the saints teach us very clearly that we see the quality of this love most clearly on the cross. Looking at Jesus in the Passion, looking at Jesus in His death, we see how unselfish His love is, how complete His love is, how real and radical it is. St. John writes, And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. And this is love, that he loved us and sent his Son. So we have known and believed in the love that God has for us. And we're in Lent, it's this very a special Lent. Someone exclaimed the other day, we were talking about the situation in the world and the coronavirus, and in a half-joking way said, what a great Lent, <laughs> with a big smile. What a great Lent, right? We have it served up for us, our own, our own path of penance, our own path of mortification uh, by the presence of this virus and, our, and the measures that we have to take to, um, to live through this time. And so in Lent, we, we, we're preparing. We're preparing for Holy Week. We're preparing throughout all of Lent to approach Good Friday. And as we approach Good Friday and as we approach the contemplation of our Lord on the cross, living His final hours in agony, suffering and pain, moving towards His death, accepting His death, this is a wonderful goal that we can set for ourselves. Each one of us can set for ourselves the goal in our interior life to contemplate the cross, to look at the cross, so that we can come to know and believe in the love that God has for us. And perhaps we've already been contemplating our Lord's passion during Lent. Perhaps we've taken time and the effort to live those Stations of the Cross on Fridays in Lent, or to contemplate them in our reading or in our mental prayer. And this is a wonderful thing that we should keep doing. This is a way of praying, just to look at a crucifix, to look at the crucifix in silence. St. Thomas Aquinas said that the crucifix was his favorite book. The book that he learned the most from was his crucifix, looking at God on the cross, looking at Jesus Christ on the cross, seeing how much God loves, loves us there. 
And so let's do it. Let's do this during this Lent. Let's look at our Lord and let's let our Lord look at us from the cross. Speak to us from the cross and His passion. Sometimes when we get upset, we get offended, people give us advice. You know, don't take it personal. Or when they correct us, you know, they, they'll say something like, hey, listen, don't take this personally. I just want to let you know that you need to do this better, do that better. Don't take it personal. It's not about you. And I think when we approach the Passion, the Holy Spirit wants us to take the opposite approach. The Holy Spirit, when we look at the cross, is whispering in our hearts or perhaps shouting at us, take it personally. Take this personally. It is personal. He did this for you. He did this for your sins. He did this to love you. He did this because He loves you. He loves you by doing this. Everything our Lord does on Holy Thursday and on Good Friday, He does for you. He does for me. And so we want to be like St. Paul. St. Paul, contemplating the Passion, exclaims, He loved me and gave His life for me. He takes it personal. He loved me and He gave His life for me. Given this regard that our Lord has for us, given this wonderful love, this tremendous love, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Personal dialogue with Christ is essential to our faith. A faith life that is not truly personal is a stunted faith life. It's a faith life that doesn't really believe in God's love for us. To be a believer without a real friendship with Christ is to believe without really believing. And to have a friendship with, without conversation, to have a friendship without dialogue, without intimacy, without moments of sharing our heart, opening our heart to our friend and letting him open his heart to us is not a real friendship. And so there's no real faith in our Lord without personal friendship, without personal contact. And there's no real personal contact without mental prayer, without sharing without talking and listening. St. John Paul II said pretty much the same thing in, in his letter at the beginning of the new millennium, Novo Millennio Ineunte. St. John Paul II writes there, it would be wrong to think that ordinary Christians can be content with a shallow prayer that is unable to fill their whole life, especially in the, fa- in the face of of many trials to which today's world subjects faith, they would be not only mediocre Christians, but Christians at risk. Yes, dear brothers and sisters, our Christian communities must become genuine schools of prayer where the meeting with Christ is expressed not just in imploring help, but also in thanksgiving, praise, adoration, contemplation, listening, and ardent devotion until the heart truly falls in love. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, we don't want to be Christians at risk. Lord, help me not to be content with a shallow prayer life that's unable 
incapable of filling my whole life. And the Pope is basically saying this, that unless, unless we take Jesus Christ very personally, unless we have a prayer life that overflows from our times of prayer and fills us with the presence of God as we go through our day with a sense of purpose that we're serving God and loving others as I go through my day, unless my prayer fills my whole life, the Pope is warning us, we'll be Christians at risk. We won't just be mediocre Christians. We won't just be okay Christians. We'll be Christians at risk of losing their faith. Because the world is, is full of attitudes and behaviors and ideas and ways of being that militate against our faith. The world is not supporting our faith right now. If anything, it, it pulls us away from it. And so to make up for that gap, we have this wonderful remedy, this wonderful means, which is our prayer life, which is our commit, commitment to prayer. And so as we face, perhaps many of us, as we face this question, you know, what do I do now? What do I do during this time of greater isolation? The answer that the Holy Spirit is putting into our hearts, is putting into your heart, is to pray. Remain in my love. So we ask our Lord once again, Lord Jesus, teach us to pray. And listening to our Lord in our prayer, we can let him ask us a question. An important question that he asked his disciples, his apostles. Our Lord turned to them and said, Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? We can put this question to ourselves right now and each one of us in our prayer. Who is Christ for me? Is he just an important moral teacher? Is he just an object of a theoretical religious faith? When I believe in Christ, am I just signing off on the catechism? I believe that he is God and man. I believe that he founded this church. I believe that he instituted these sacraments. I believe that he saves the world from sin. Do we believe in these as if they were just kind of like sterile facts, theoretical truths about our Lord? that are just kind of out there, outside of me? Or do I truly believe that He is real? Do I truly believe that He continues to love me with the same love that He displays in the cross? Like St. Paul, am I convinced that He loved me and gave His life for me? Is He really for me, my Lord, my Teacher, my friend, my God, my divine physician, my doctor who heals my soul. Lord, I'm convinced that you're present right now wherever I am, wherever I happen to be. You're in my heart in the state of grace. You're holding me in being with your act of creation of my soul. If I have the good fortune of being in a church, Lord, you're in the tabernacle. Wherever I am, Lord, you're present. Behold, I am with you always until the end of the age, our Lord says. Behold, I am with you always. Wherever I am, Lord, right now in this prayer, in this time of meditation, I believe you're looking at me, you're listening to me. Who do you say that I am? Our commitment to prayer is a reflection of who Christ is for us. Who do you say that I am? 
My commitment to mental prayer is an indication of the depth and the reality of my belief, and it's a means of increasing that belief, increasing that faith. Lord, I want to show you that I believe, and I want to grow in my faith by sitting down every day and giving you at least 15 minutes, at least 15 minutes of contemplation, of dialogue, of thanksgiving, of petition, personal, in my own words, talking and listening to this God who has made himself my friend. Who do you say that I am? Who is Christ really for me? The prelate of Opus Dei, Don Fernando Ocaris, likes to turn that question around in his preaching. And I think it's very helpful. He says, don't just ask, who is Christ for me? But also, put yourselves in Christ's shoes and ask, who am I for Christ? Who are we for Christ? Who does Christ say that I am? And in the Gospels, he tells us how he sees us. He calls us his friends. Behold, I have called you my friends. He calls us his beloved disciples. He looks upon us as brothers that he's willing to die for. He says, our father. My father is now your father. We're brothers. He calls us his little children. And so we see in all these ways that that Christ looks at us, that Christ considers us. Christ himself sees our relationship with him as something very personal, something very intimate. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. Who am I for Christ? Does he really find in me a friend? Does he really find in me, in my behavior, in my attitude towards life, my treatment of others, a disciple? By this all men will you know that you are my disciples, by the love that you have for one another. Does he find in me a disciple? Someone who loves others with true Christian charity, with understanding and a spirit of service, generosity. Does he find in me a brother? Someone who loves him with a familial love. Someone who really feels that they belong to him. Lord, help me to grow in this personal relationship with you by learning how to deal with you, learning how to talk to you. Lord, give me the grace to help me cut out each day some time for this conversation, some time for this mental prayer. At least 15 minutes. And this takes work. We have to learn how to know. We have to learn how to talk to him. We have to learn how to deal with him. Prayer is an art. And so in the first place, we commit to it. We commit to doing it. The best way to learn it is by practicing it. The best way to learn it is by doing it. But then also we, we look for ways to, to educate ourselves in prayer. We do this with anything we take seriously in life. We want to learn a language. We want to learn how to cook. We want to learn how to golf. We look for help. We buy a book. We find an instructor. We at least go to YouTube and see if there's some easy way of, easy way of learning it. Let's do the same with our prayer. There's so many good resources out there. To read a good book, that would be a great one-two punch, a great combination if we wanted to increase our prayer life. To pray for 15 minutes in the morning in total silence, perhaps reading a little bit of scripture, trying to dialogue with our Lord, trying to see what he's telling us, telling him what's on our heart, what's in our mind. And then perhaps at some other point in the day, for 10 or 15 minutes, reading about prayer, reading some good book, 
on how to pray. Some resources for this are St. Josemaria and the way there's a chapter on prayer, which is, which is very helpful, very practical and instructive. He has two homilies, which are very helpful. Um, one is called Towards Holiness. The other is called The Life of Prayer. Both of those homilies, Towards Holiness and The Life of Prayer, can be found in the collection Friends of God. Jacques Philippe is a wonderfully clear and deep author who writes a lot about mental prayer. Two books in particular are very good. One is called Time for God, and a follow-up on Time for God is called Thirsting for Prayer. There's a man named Rohrbach who wrote a book called In Conversation with Christ, which is a kind of summary and systemizing of St. Teresa of Avila's Doctrine on Mental Prayer. And so I think it's a wonderful um, starter's kit for growing in this relationship with our Lord, for growing in conversation with Him, is to practice it, maybe 15 minutes a day, and then to educate ourselves by reading some of these resources for about 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes a day at another time. Our Lord is interested in us. Our Lord loves us. Nothing about us is indifferent to Him. And so let's take up this practice, this Lent, this practice of daily converse with God, daily time with God, daily conversation with this friend, with this master, with this father. We go to Our Lady, Our Lady Mystical Rose, you who knew how to converse with our Lord better than anyone, you who knew how to live, live with Him, you who knew how to be silent with Him and listen to Him. Pray for us. Pray for us. Help us to be souls of prayer. Our Lady, Mystical Rose, Ora Pernomis, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.